last week we began a, a short series of messages on what is called the priestly blessing or the Aaronic blessing. Uh, sometimes it is called uh, the benediction. Uh, we talked a long time uh, really about just an introduction because I think it's so important for us to understand that we are blessed. I mean, it's, it's vital. Uh, this world will come against us. The attacks of the enemy upon our soul, the real. I mean, we say the real, right? Uh, and we need to understand that we are blessed. Uh, I'm not just talking about financial blessings. Uh, I'm talking about spiritual blessings that uh, God has given to us to help us in our daily lives. So we are blessed. And I had you just repeat many, many different times that we are blessed because we need to have that in our spirit to understand uh, we are a blessed people that God has given us his favor and his blessing upon our life. And so it's important for us to understand uh, the Bible literally tells us that God told Moses to have the priest to speak this blessing over the people and that it might work is not what it says, that it would sometimes work. Uh, that's not what it says, but he says, if you'll speak the words, then I will bless them. And that's important for us to understand. It's also important for us to understand uh, that even though this was an Old Testament priestly blessing, that the New Testament tells us that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a holy nation, that we are a peculiar people uh, who should show forth the praises of Him uh, who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So look at your neighbor and say, you are a priest of the Lord. Now tell yourself, I am a priest of the Lord. It's, it's important that we understand that. So if we are a priest of the Lord, and I'm just giving a little bit of a review from last week, that means that we have, and the Bible confirms this, the ability to speak blessings not only on our own life but over people. We are a priest of the Lord. We represent, we stand between God and the people. You stand between God and the people at your job. You stand between God and the people uh, at your uh, workplace, at the grocery store, wherever you might go, you are to speak blessings. Now, I'm saying this because it's this world can be very dark. Somebody help me out, right? Very bleak. And if we are not careful, then we will start agreeing with the curse that is on this world. Uh, and we are not a part, as God's children, of the curse that is upon this world. We're from a different kingdom. Let his kingdom come, let his will be done, right? Uh, and we exist in a different kingdom. I'm not saying we don't experience some of the world, but what I'm telling you is that the dynamics of the world uh, are not for the kingdom of God. They're different dynamics. And we live in a blessing and not in a curse. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Now, I'm, as I said before, I'm not just talking about financial blessings and those kind of things. I'm talking about God's spiritual blessings upon His people. This is such a blessing that God has spoken of over us that it is not uh, reversible. It does not matter what the enemy has tried to speak over your life. 
God has spoken blessings. God has declared and decreed that you are blessed, therefore you're blessed. The enemy can try to steal it. The enemy can try to take it. The world can try to steal it, but you are still blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Uh, and, and it's important that we understand uh, that blessing. It doesn't mean we don't face hardships. It doesn't mean that we don't face struggles, but that in the end that we are blessed. Why? Because we are connected to Christ. That's where the New Testament blessing comes in, is that we are blessed because we are connected to Christ. We are blessed because uh, we have the blood of Christ applied to our life. You see, it's not true that only special people are blessed. It's not true. We are blessed no matter if you feel special or not. Somebody help me preach this morning. No matter if you feel blessed or not, no matter if you are currently in a situation that seems very bleak or, or, or a sickness or whatever, you still are living inside of the blessing of God because He declared it and decreed it over your life. I'm blessed, and I know that I am, right? I'm blessed. So as we look at this, we're blessed not because of who we are, not because of what we have done, but because we are connected by salvation to Christ. We're His. And God says, you're blessed. That word blessed is the Hebrew word barak. It means that you are blessed, and, and I found kind of a, maybe a better uh, definition of what being blessed means. It means that God's presence and His activity and His love are in a person's life and environment. Everywhere I go, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, I'm blessed. How many of you know that song? When I lay my head down to rest at night, I'm blessed. Because I live in the person and the presence and the anointing and the blessing of God, I'm still blessed. I'm blessed. When I wake up in the morning, when I lay my head down to rest, I'm blessed. It's about being in God's presence, God's environment. This presence, this environment, it's the essence of who God is. Now, something about the blessing that... I just want to give you a little nugget so that you understand this. When the Hebrew people, when the Jewish people would depart from one another, they would say this phrase, God be with you. They said it all the time. I'm, I'm going, God be with you. And over time that was shortened and changed to good be with you. Good be with you. And then over a certain amount of time, and now come forward to our culture, and we don't even understand that we're speaking a blessing. Instead of saying, good be with you, we simply say, goodbye. See, the world doesn't even know that that comes from a blessing. But there is a blessing. We are a part of the culture of God's kingdom, and we can speak blessings over our lives and over the people that are around us. God be with you. But not only does God say here and de to declare that God 
bless you, but the Lord keep you. The Lord keep you. The Lord guard you, guide you, protect you. Trevor, come here. Wes, come here and help me. So the scripture says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Come over here on this side. You come out right here. And, and form a circle around me with your arms. All right? So now when the enemy wants to come against me and wants to try to stop me and to attack me, he doesn't just have to go through me, but he has to go through these guys, right? If they're, if they're protecting and guarding me. What does the Bible say? Psalm 91 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. So God has spoke a blessing over you that he's going to keep you. So no matter how the enemy tries to rock your world and tries to come against you and tries to bring a blast against you, that you are protected under the wings and the protection of God. He is with you. And so you are protected. You are being kept. Thank you, gentlemen. But we are protected. We are kept. You don't under, uh, we don't always understand that because we don't see it. It is a spiritual keeping uh, that it is uh, God protecting us. We don't always see it's not like a big guy on our side like I brought, brought these men up here, but it is the protective hand of God upon our life. He is keeping us. He's guarding us. He's protecting us. He's guarding us in all of the ways that we are uh, going to go. Now, whenever, how many of you read the book of Job? In the book of Job, Satan is before the Lord, and God says to him, Consider my servant Job. And God was bragging on Job. I mean, can I just stop here and tell you that God loves you so much that I believe he brags on you, all right? I believe that uh, he wants to bless you so much. He's like, look at my servant Job. Isn't there something awesome about him, right? And Satan says, but you have a what around him? You have a hedge around him. In other words, there is a protective circle around Job. And if it's true in the Old Testament, it's certainly true in the New Testament. There is a hedge. There is a wall. There is a protective essence of God that is around us, protecting us and keeping us. We are protected uh, by the blood barrier of Christ Jesus upon our lives. And so the enemy cannot come against us to kill us. Here's Job. He's protected. Satan is so upset that God has protected him. I may remember some of the, the ways we used to testify. I mean, have you heard this one? I thank God that he saved me and is keeping me. You remember that? It's the same word. That he is keeping me. Uh, whenever you are keeping your children, you don't just throw them in the bed and make them stay there, right? 
You don't just like, good luck with that. I'm going to put this baby in the bed, and I'm going to walk off and not do anything. No, you overlook it. You make sure that this child has what it needs. You're protecting it. You're giving it the food and the nourishment that it needs. And so that's what God is doing with us. He is not only saving us, but he is keeping us. Thank God that he saves me, that he keeps me. It's the blessing of God. Jude 24 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We might stumble in this world. We might trip up on the tricks of the enemy. We might stumble uh, because someone has spoken something to us. We might stumble because we're simply human. But I want you to know that just because you stumble uh, does not mean that you will have to fall, that you will not know the Lord. What it says is here that he will keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his presence of his glory with exceeding joy. When we go to be with the Lord, whether it be by the grave or whether it be by the rapture, as we talk about, Jesus is going to be able to present us to the Father. Look at this child. Look, he trusted in me, Lord, uh, God. He trusted in me, and he, he believed upon me, and he uh, lived a life for me. Yeah, he wasn't perfect, but I died for him, and I uh, shed my blood for him. And so here the Lord is able to present us not in a fashion that's like, well, he barely made it, but he made it. It's not what the Bible talks about. It doesn't talk about us making it to heaven by the seat of our pants or by the skin of our teeth. That's not what it says. It says he will present us with glory and exceeding joy. So there's going to be a time when you and I get to heaven that we're going to be presented to God. Here he is. He's your child. He's your son. He's your daughter. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a child of God. You see, I want you to know that you are cared for and kept by God. You're not alone. Isn't that some awesome news? You're not alone. The Bible tells us that we're, God will never leave us or forsake us. That he is constantly with us. There is not a time that you can walk out of the presence or the blessing of God if you know the Lord as your Savior. You are kept by him. You are saved by him. You are blessed by him. Uh, you don't sound too excited this morning. Anybody excited that God is keeping you this morning? Amen? Uh, that he is uh, taking care of you. That the blessings of Christ, because we're in him, are upon us. We're not alone. But can I tell you that the enemy wants to keep you as well? He wants to keep you handcuffed to sin and idolatry and greed and perversion and sexual immorality. But the Lord doesn't keep us in that way. He keeps us in life. He keeps us in joy. He keeps us in peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. What, what does this mean? 
as I look upon this and I do study and I uh, do all of these things, it, may, it reminds me of a mother or a father looking down upon their little one, maybe a toddler, maybe uh, uh, one that is just, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, just barely getting around and just getting their feet underneath of them. And we look at them and we smile. They don't even have to be my kid for me to smile at them because I just love kids, amen? Uh, and that's the way God looks down upon us. He, 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 is, uh, he illuminates and he lights uh, us in his favor and his face shining upon us. He loves us. He's delighted in you. We don't think about that too much. Can I tell you that the Lord's not mad at you? When I was a little younger, a lot younger, I used to imagine God as this old bearded man. We've done this before who held a lightning bolt, and if we messed up, he would strike us down. But I want you to know that God is not mad at you, that God loves you, that his face is lit up because he loves you and he wants to bless you. We can be guilty of thinking that God is mad at us, but he's not. The Bible tells us that when we get to heaven, that if we have been faithful, doesn't say if we have been super spiritual, if we have been super anointed. It doesn't say if we have been, uh, you know, done all of these exploits. It says that God will say, welcome thou good and faithful servant. You see, God desires for you to be with him. And he desires to speak his blessing over your life. He wants to say to you, welcome thou good and faithful servant of the Lord. And God be gracious to you. Let his mercy and his favor shine upon you. His loving kindness. Can I tell you that God is filled with compassion for each one of us. Uh, the Lord understands what it is to be a human. He came. Uh, he was all God and all man, he experienced life as we experience it, and he has a compassion for each one of us. And if he is gracious to us, that means that we can enter into his presence. We have access. The book of Esther. The enemy was coming against the Jews. Esther was a Jewish woman. And her uncle, how many remember the story? comes to her and challenges her to go before the king on behalf of the Jewish people. And she has to wait for the perfect moment. She's prayed up. She's fasted. She's done all of these things. And the goal was for her to be able to have access and to enter into the king's presence. What I want you to understand is what this verse is talking about is that we have access to the throne room of God. That's what the Bible tells us. And it is through the blood that we have access, that we can boldly go before His. Aren't you glad that you don't have to uh, uh, piddle, paddle around, that you don't have to, uh, you know, hide, that you don't have to do all of these things, but that you can boldly enter into the presence of God and there make your petitions known to Him. He desires to be in your presence. 
and desires for you to be in his presence. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you. Psalms 4, 6 says, Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. What is the light of his presence? What is this countenance upon you? It's his approval of you, his willingness and his loving attention upon you. God wants to dote on you. He says you are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He wants to put his attention upon you. Do you believe that? He does. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to save you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. His countenance. Let his countenance be upon you. His favor, his approval, his uh, hand to reach out and to uh, give you what you need. In the Old Testament, there is a lady by the name of Hagar. Abraham. And Sarah, God had promised to them that they would have a child. That that child would come from Abraham and from Sarah. He said it's going to happen, but it was taking a long time. And Abraham and Sarah decided that they would help out God. Anybody ever tried to help out God? How did that go for you? Not well, right? And here Sarah says in her haste and in her uh, impatience, Abraham, take my servant girl and, uh, and have a child with her. And so they do. But not too long from that time, Abraham and Sarah have a child. And now, imagine this, Sarah's mad about it all, right? And she tells Abraham, take this son of yours, in other words, it's not mine, and take Hagar and tell them to go away. Cast them outside. In other words, uh, here's Hagar. She's told to leave and she feels like that she is out of the blessing of the master of the house. Hear me. Can't walk out. You can't truly walk out of the father's blessing on his house. So she goes off. She is out in the wilderness. She is crying. Her son is, uh, uh, she's worried that he's going to thirst to death. There's no water. And the Lord comes to visit and to bless her. Hear me. And she calls him. The only woman in the Bible to call God a specific name. She says he is El Roy. El Roy. Not El Roy like is in the dog on the TV show. L-R-O-I, Elroy. Hear me. He is the God who sees me, is what she said. Isn't that powerful? That God knows right where you are. God sees you in your situation, in your circumstance, in this point of life. God has not abandoned you. God sees where you are. And so God sees that situation and he is with you. Aren't you glad he's with you? He sees you. He sees the sickness. He sees the disease. He sees the relationships that are, have gone astray. He sees the problems and the financial difficulties. He 
He sees you. He knows where you are. He has never left you nor forsaken you. He sees you. Say, look at your neighbor and say, He sees me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace. Hear me. This world needs peace. Even when I say the word peace, I feel the opposing forces of darkness and light. The enemy does not want you to have peace in your life. He does not. He will attack you at every corner if you will allow him to do so. This is the Hebrew word shalom. And it does not just mean that it is a uh, end of aggression or fighting. It means a wholeness or a satisfaction and a goodness. That is why the psalmist can boldly say, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he had a peace from God and a peace with God. You see, the enemy does not want you to have peace. He wants you to be concerned and worried and stressed out uh, and your body uh, to be tormented. But God said, I come to give you peace. Peace not like the world has, but God's peace. God's peace. Philippians 4, 7 says it's a peace that passes human comprehension. A peace that God will give to you that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Pastor, where did I get that kind of peace? It's a peace that comes to me only in Christ. And it is a peace that goes beyond my wildest imagination and my thought. I cannot fully understand the peace of God. It is too big. It is too good. It is too wide. It is too deep. It is so vast that I cannot understand the peace of God. And it protects my heart and my mind. So when the enemy comes against us, and he does, can we be real? We can have a peace with God and a peace of God. He's with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And that peace comes in Christ. Pastor, you've said that word many times, in Christ. That means that we have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we have asked him to forgive us of our sins. To come into our lives and that he would be the king of our lives. See, where the king is, there's peace. Where the king reigns, there is peace. So if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your savior, you can have that peace that passes all understanding. For Jesus is the prince of peace. And about the time we think we're through with the blessing, the writer says these words in verse 27. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The priest speaks the word, God blesses, and the fulfillment of that blessing is that God's name is put upon you. 
I'm his and he is mine. Amen. His name has been put upon me. The power of his name, the, uh, uh, the value of his name has been put upon my life. It's powerful. His name is upon me. Uh, the old song says that there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Yes, it's mine. His name has been put upon me. I'm no longer the same. I am a child of God. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We don't have to wait until we're uh, perfect. If you're waiting on that, you're going to be waiting a long time. But beloved, now are we the sons and the daughters of God. Because we have believed on Him. Romans 8, 17 says, And if we are children, then we're heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him that we may be glorified together. I said in the first service, because we've had this talk together, Kelly and I have, about our fathers, special men to us. We have their name is upon us. But you as a child of God have His name upon you. And you're to live in a manner that would represent Him. That's why, can, can I just be honest? That's why I get so fed up with this super grace mentality. Because I have the name of the Father upon my life and I want to represent Him well and not just live any way that I can. His name is on me. And it is a responsibility but also a blessing because it's in his name it's in Christ that I am blessed that my needs are met according to his riches and glory it's in him so there is both a right and a privilege of having the blessing of God but also a responsibility of having his name somebody say his name his name is on me. So it is upon us to live in a way that will bring God glory and honor. I may want to bless the Lord. Amen. That your life would be a blessing into the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning as a Christian, there are times that we simply don't feel blessed. And we may look at our circumstances and certainly not feel blessed. But God has spoken it over our lives. That we are blessed. He has declared it and decreed it. So how do we receive that blessing? We receive it by faith, just like we receive our salvation. God, it doesn't feel like I'm blessed, but I know your word says I am, so I'm going to receive it by faith. And we're blessed in order to be a blessing. We're blessed so the world will see a difference in us, and they'll come to want to know Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and I don't know every heart and you've never given your life to Christ Jesus, 
He wants to adopt you. That's the word that the scripture uses. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to put his name upon you. What a good name to have put upon us, amen? To be called his children. And you can come into the family of God. The only way you come into the family of God is through belief upon Jesus Christ, his one and only begotten son. You come into the grace of his adoption through Christ. You rely upon him. You ask him to forgive you of your past sins and you live a life for the Lord. He becomes your Lord. Not just your Savior, but your Lord. So if that's you today and you've never done that, I invite you to do that. To come to know the blessing of the Lord.